The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The hospitality industry is one of the fastest growing industries in an improving economy. There are new career opportunities popping up in restaurants, hotels, and travel. Get the inside scoop today. Welcome to the Hospitality News Network with Stephen Nicole. Our hope is that you'll look at this industry in a whole new light. Now, here's your host, Stephen Nicole. Good day, everyone. It's Stephen Nicole here at the Hospitality Industry News Network, September 21st. We've got an exciting guest on here today. Today's guest, Jeff Cialetti, is as close to being a beverage expert you will find. <laughs> He's host of the weekly online beverage news show, The Drinkable Week, editor of Beverage World Magazine since 2007, and creator of the blog, drinkableglobe.com. I checked it out today, and I've been looking at it, and I tell you, I love the videos on this, on this blog. There's so many interesting uh, things that he talks about from all over the world. So do check it out. He's also a writer, producer, director of a feature film called Beerituality. It's a comedy set in the world of craft beer, and it's available for download as well as Amazon.com. He's a speaker in beverage-related events and a guest on numerous TV shows on beverage-related topics. Jeff is here to talk about his upcoming book entitled The Year of Drinking Adventurously. It's coming out in November. Welcome, Jeff. Well, thanks for being. I'm glad. I'm happy to be here, Stephen. Thanks for having me today. Great to have you on. Now, Jeff, what was the purpose of this book, uh, "The Year of Drinking Adventurously"? The title is very, very. Uh, it's different from any other book that I've heard of on drinks and cocktails. Well, the the premise, sort of in a nutshell, is you know you're somebody who sort of defaults to a kind of go-to drink every time you're at a bar or, or somebody's house or whatever, and you just don't really know what to order, even though there's so many choices available, especially today with, you know, so many artisanal producers and that sort of thing. You know, let's say you're a person who only likes a certain type of beer or you go to a bar and you don't know what else to order, so you go to a vodka tonic, that sort of thing. So my book uh, basically is designed to get people out of that sort of familiar comfort zone and try something new every week for a year. So it's structured in, you know, 52 chapters, if you will. Each one is a different type of drink, and it involves spirits, beer, a little bit of wine, uh, mead, sake, cider, those sort of things. So it kind of runs the full spectrum of different kinds of drinks, there's, you know, some cocktails, but I like to focus on things, uh, especially on the spirit side, drinking them neat first and getting acquainted with those spirits before um, you mix them in something. So that's, that's sort of the premise there. It's, it's drinking adventurously uh, and adventurously meaning just uh, straying from the familiar a little bit and trying something new. 
So what you're saying, and it sounds pretty pretty cool, this idea of, for your book, is is you educate the people on, on what they're going to drink beforehand so that, you know, that's why I, I guess most people just drink the same thing is because, you know, they're used to it. And if you try to introduce them to something different, it's sort of like, well, I don't know, I'm not sure. But when they read up on it and they try it and they, you know, they know where it's coming from and they, you know, they could... You know, knowledge is power, they say, and I guess uh, what you're saying is if they have that knowledge beforehand, and they're more likely to try something different. Yeah, the thing is, there's there's a story behind everything, and, and most people don't really know the story behind things. I mean, I touch a little bit on history, uh, not too much. It's more about the experience, the culture around the brand, uh, not, not just brands, but, but beverage categories in general. Uh, you know, if it's of foreign origin, we talk a little bit about how it uh, evolved in its country of origin uh, and what sort of the rituals are associated with drinking it in those places uh, and uh, how to find it here in, in many cases. I try to offer a few uh, brand recommendations with a lot of the chapters um, you know, just uh, with a little bit of background on those particular brands. You know, if there's anything unique about them, I'll include that in as well. But it's mostly just acquainting yourself with what is going to be put in your glass or what you should be putting in your glass. Right. So it's, you know, it's it's just not a cocktail book. No, so. no, it's not a cocktail book. Um, my sort of premise was, you know, does the world really need another cocktail book? I was kind of like, no, I think people need to know what's going in their cocktails. And again, it's not just spirits that are in the book. I've got beer, I've got cider, I've got a couple, you know, sparkling wines, I've got fortified wine, uh, that sort of thing. And it's not, you know, for instance, the fortified wine part, um, most people don't really know, and, and I didn't until recently, really what distinguished a Madeira from a port from a sherry so I include a chapter on each one of those and sort of the, uh, how those evolved and what the manner in which they're consumed, what the rituals around those are, and a little bit of the history. Um, so there are cocktails in the book. I'm not saying there, it's not, you know, I stay away from cocktails. There are plenty of cocktails. I do a whole section in the back uh, with a bunch of cocktails that uh, a lot of people who helped me with interviews in the book and that sort of thing, they contributed a lot of cocktails and, I have a couple of chapters themselves that are about specific cocktails. Like, for instance, there's one on reinventing the Bloody Mary, and I consulted with uh, a New York mixologist who kind of walked me through a lot of the crazy innovative things he's doing with that. And among those, you know, there are green Bloody Marys, and there are even clear Bloody Marys. So I wanted to... Wow. Talk about that. So drinking adventurously isn't necessarily just trying a completely new drink. It's also rethinking a drink that's kind of, for a lot of people, has become stale. You know, for instance, the Bloody Mary, you go out for brunch and people are pouring you, you know, $3 Bloody Marys with $1 refills. And they're not using the best tomato juice. They're not using the best vodka. And they're really kind of phoning in a lot of the other ingredients. But the Bloody Mary is actually a very exciting canvas to really get creative, and that's what that particular chapter shows. Wow, wow. 
I know you've got features on uh, Grappa, for instance, and uh, chapters on Grappa, and you mentioned uh, Madeira, and, you know, I, I think the story with Madeira, I don't know, but uh, what I learned was that the uh, the early explorers used to put uh, wine when they used to sail from Europe to across to the Caribbean, and uh, the hot sun used to cook the wine. And, yeah, uh, it was actually you know, the- it tasted different when they got in the Caribbean, and they... They kind of liked it. It was, I guess, it got its term "cooked wine" from that. Yeah, and for a while, um, they were actually that was part of the way they were creating it. Like it was mandatory for them to make that journey, like back and forth. I, I think it was from the island of Madeira to the states and back, and that yes. and that was part of what did it. And once they figured out, you know, of course they discovered it by accident, but then. They instituted it. Now, you know, modern times, they're, I think they're just heating it to, I think the temperature is 115 degrees now, but they, they try to replicate those conditions as closely as possible, not just from yes. the heating, but from the conditions on the boat and that sort of thing, because there's a flavor profile that's hundreds of years old that they're really trying to recreate. It's now, interestingly, you know, speaking of that, though, there is... Um, there's a brand, another chapter of mine on Aquavit, the Scandinavian spirit. Yes. Um, there's one brand out of Norway, I believe, that um, it got its unique profile from its ocean journey across the Atlantic. And now the brand is still produced that way to this day. It's wow. not the most economical and not the most efficient way to do things, but they insist on, <laughs> you know, recreating that as closely as they can, and they do that on a ship. Wow, that's amazing. Cheap yeah. or so. And then you mentioned something uh, in the book about uh, pickleback, and I don't want to have you okay. give that away. I mean, I'm just uh, curious no, to know what that is. But uh, Yeah, it's, 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 um, it's actually, that's the one chapter in my book that in and of itself is not an alcoholic beverage. I mean, it is a beverage that enhances an alcoholic beverage. It's actually, all it is is pickle juice. Oh, okay. Um, And it was sort of one of those things that was discovered by accident. Um, There's a good story in the book about it. Um, It actually originated in Brooklyn. And all it, you know, in in a nutshell, all it really is, is a pickle juice chaser for whiskey. Wow. But now it's become its own kind of thing and taken on a life of its own. It's gone international. So it's it's just become and some people have even bottled it too. I mean, you know, the better bars they'll kind of have their own proprietary pickle brine. They'll some of them will even, you know, experiment with things, you know, like pickled fruits like strawberries even and uh, there are other bars that'll that'll pickle hops, you know, the hops that go into beer. Um, right. But for the most part, you know, they're using really good pickle brine, not just the stuff you would get out of a, a supermarket jar or one of those big vats you see at the deli, but it's really kind of good stuff in it. And it started out as, you know, it's supposed to erase um, the flavor of some really, really bad whiskey. But it sort of evolved to become this thing where they're finding actually good whiskeys to pair it with. Okay. So it's actually become a, it actually complements the flavor of some whiskeys. 
Does it help cure a hangover? Oh, that it won't do. <laughs> no, sorry about that. Well, I mean, you know, yeah, if you put a little bit of it in your Bloody Mary the next morning, I'm sure it helps a little bit. But as far as while you're drinking, um, For sure. you know, it, it might, it may actually, in fact, it may even intensify your hangover because you're going to enjoy drinking it so much, you're going to drink more shots than you really should. So. Yeah. Well, Jeff, we thought I'd take a break for a couple of minutes, and uh, we're going to stop for a little commercial break. But at the other end of two minutes, I want to ask you some more questions. What a fascinating topic. Absolutely. Okay, we'll see you at the other end of two minutes. Great. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Do you love to travel? Do you love adventure so much that when you read about it, you cannot stop until you have finished? Most of all, though, do you like to read a memoir that is totally honest and doesn't cover up anything? The author just tells it like it is. Stephen Nicole's first book, You Only Live Once, will fulfill your wish. Whether you're thinking of a career in the hospitality industry or just want to read a personal, upfront, no-holes-barred memoir, this book will whet your appetite. Go to stephennicole.com to order your copy or email him directly for an autographed copy. That's Stephen Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E dot com. A life coach, Stephen Nicole can be contacted to help you get what you want in life. 17 years from the time he took a bartending course, Stephen traveled around working in the hospitality industry, moving up the ladder as he went along, tasting both the bitter and the sweet. Along the way, Stephen rode the ebb and flow from the vibrant 80s through the turbulent 90s. Stephen found what his heart was truly looking for to begin a new chapter in his life. For a free intake interview, you can mail Stephen directly to set up a time at ssnicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, at rogers.com. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to the Hospitality News Network. We'd love to hear from you with questions or comments about the show. Drop us a line at ssnicole at rogers.com. That's ssnicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, at rogers.com. Now, back to the Hospitality News Network. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen, the Hospitality Industry News Network. And uh, just to let you know, if you, haven't, if you were listening to the show and want to listen to its entirety... You can go to my webpage at the Hospitality Industry News Network Variety Channel. The show is archived 24-7 on that page. And you could also listen on iTunes, Google Play, and download it on Kindle. So there you go. We've got a real interesting guest today, Jeff Cialetti, who's written a book due out in bookstores in the next few weeks called The Year, A Year of Drinking adventurously. Jeff, your passion for beverages and your knowledge is beyond most normal peoples out there. How did you develop your passion for learning about cocktails and beverages? Where did it all start for you? 
Well, a lot of it was really my, my time at Beverage World magazine. I started there as senior editor in 2003, and then I became the editor-in-chief in 2007, and then in 2014, I became the editor-at-large, so I, I still have a, a role there. Um, but, you know, it's basically 13 years of this. Uh, a lot of it was writing about the stuff, and in, in my own eyes were opening to so much that was out there. Some of it would just be simply getting a press release, and I'd be, wow, you know, and I didn't realize at the time how many different styles of beverages there were out there, especially this was just as the uh, the craft beer boom was starting to kick up again, um, and I was starting to get some press releases there. I was going to trade shows and tasting this stuff, and, uh, and that just completely opened my eyes. So, like, my first foray... I was sort of lured into the beer world, and then I started to broaden my horizons and the spirits. Um, and now I just kind of consider myself sort of an all-around drinks enthusiast with, you know, passions within each of the major beverage categories. Um, but, yeah, so I just, I, I, it led to um, industry events, and then I started traveling not just for work, but I traveled on my own, and a lot of those trips were beverage-related. You know, like, for instance, I would go to Belgium for beer and then, uh, you know, Denmark and had it there, and then I would go to Louisville and, and the rest of Kentucky and, and taste bourbon at distilleries. And, um, you know, I went to Japan to drink sake and shochu. So it's like my my whole a big part of my travel now is just to taste sort of native beverages as as, as close to the source as possible. So um, it's just been a constant education for me, and, and I'm still learning. Even in the course of doing this book, um, I mean, I learned a lot just, just doing the book, the research for the book, because I wasn't really on a, an expert on every category that I was writing about, and I had to do a lot of background research on those, and my own eyes were opened, and so it's just it just became a passion over a lot of different years. I, th- I think with the opportunity to travel, like you have, you know, has given you a a substantial background of knowledge that most people, like for instance, who would be a bartender or a, a sommelier, perhaps in a in an establishment, working, you know, day after day in the same place, they don't get the opportunity to travel, like you have. And I think that's, um, that's pretty important. Oh yeah, yeah, and you know, and I know I know quite a few sommeliers who who, who do travel. Um, a lot of times when they're, um, especially if they're they're working on certain certain brands and that sort of thing, they'll go on uh, tours and and they'll further their own education there. And and I kind of look at it the same way. I mean, I don't, I'm not a sommelier, but. Um, you know, I guess I, I consider myself a, a drinking enthusiast more than anything. Um, and, you know, I'm passionate for travel and I'm passionate for beverages. So uh, one usually involves the other for me. And, you know, I'm usually, um, you know, my wife and I are always jumping around the country and the world, just trying new drinks whenever we can. Uh, just this spring we took a, or actually it was, more winter, we took a trip to um, 
to Australia, New Zealand, and Hong Kong, and Japan, well, and basically drank our way around those places. So, Yeah, and when you say drinking uh, along the way, I guess for our listeners, I just want to clarify, like, I don't, I'm sure you don't mean like getting drunk every night, but just trying oh, no, to drink a different yeah, drink. Yeah, so I was just thinking that, I, I realized when I said that, I was like, wow, that sounds like I must have a real problem. Like, no, no. no. It's, it's, Interestingly, um, I my objective when I'm drinking is to not get drunk. Um, a lot of times I'm just tasting things or, you know, I'm nursing one drink over the course of like two hours. Or, or I, one thing I like doing is going to tasting events where you get like a little taste of a lot of yes. different things and don't um, necessarily drink a lot of it. I mean, for instance, this week is the Great American Beer Festival in Denver and I go to that every year and I was just kind of thinking about how little I actually drink when I'm there because you basically walk around from table to table that the breweries have and they'll give you a one ounce pour um, and then you move on to the next one but generally when I go I know a lot of people so I spend you know I run into somebody and I'm talking to them for a half hour nursing that little one ounce pour from the last brewery and, you know, and I see some friends and then we're chatting some more and then I'm getting some food and I'm sitting down. And when all said and done, I realized I probably had about 12 one ounce pours, which right. is like the equivalent of one beer. So, yes. I mean, that's but and I, I feel perfectly fulfilled and satisfied by that because I'm more interested in tasting and experiencing than I am uh, getting drunk. I mean, that's that's, you know, that's a college thing. That's what you do when you're in 20s. But as you mature and you realize that alcohol can be a part of a healthy person's lifestyle, you're realizing that you want, and one of the things that a lot of the the marketers say, it's kind of become a cliche at this point, but it really sort of sums it up is that uh, people should drink less, but drink better. Yes. And, and that's kind of, I kind of follow that, you know, it's all about moderation. uh, I guess it's sort of like people should eat better. Exactly. It's the same idea. Eat, eat less and eat better. You know, it's like you, you'll spend a little more money on the stuff you drink, um, but you're getting better stuff, and you're yes. getting stuff with a lot of flavor, um, and it's just an amazing experience to learn about it. And so, you know, even sometimes when you go to a bar with a particularly knowledgeable bartender, especially this happens a lot at whiskey bars and beer bars, uh, bar staff are getting getting incredibly more educated about this stuff and just to sit down at the bar and have a conversation with them and just have them tell you everything you could possibly know about everything that's on their shelf. It's, it's amazing. And I think it's, it's a fairly new phenomenon too. I mean, you really, it didn't really happen so much 30 years ago, you know? No, not at all. When I started out, you know, you just went behind the bar and there wasn't a lot of questions asked and product knowledge was very limited. Yeah, and then it's actually become the, the, the role of the bartender has become very professionalized. Um, it, it actually, uh, you know, especially with, with mixology coming into it and that sort of thing, uh, it is a career path for a lot of people and it pays a very good salary. If, you're, if you're, you work for a good bar and you have a really good background, um, it's become this real, like, like, like being a culinary, uh, like a chef, you know, yes. that's kind of how the bartending trade has evolved. And it's, it's really exciting, too, because it, it sort of carries over from the bar to 
the bar patrons and then you kind of form this bond and you have a shared passion and next thing you know, you're making friends with the bartender. They're getting special bottles in for you and <laughs> it's actually yeah. pretty great. And I'm glad you mentioned that, that the bartending is looked upon uh, favorably by many as a career now rather than something that's, uh, you know, just to get them through till the next job. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's still, you know, there's still some, some that are, you know, a temporary thing, but for the most part, there are a lot of people that are pursuing it, and there's a lot of education that goes into it and a lot of training. Yes. Now, let's, say, let's talk about 30 years ago, and uh, I know I started out around that time, and, uh, you know, drinking habits have changed over the years. What, what's the, been the biggest change you've seen over the last couple decades? And consumer um, habits. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've I've only been drinking legally for 22 years now, so I don't go back that okay. far. But um, I um, well, the biggest the biggest change really it started with craft beer. I think. I mean, craft beer. The craft brewers, what they used to call the microbrewers, back in the early 80s. They evolved into the 90s, and then there was a boom in the 90s, and that kind of subsided a little bit. But then in the early 2000s, the next wave came, and now uh, a decade later, we're talking about something like 4,000 breweries in the United States. And that's been the biggest sort of monumental shift in beverage probably I, in yeah, the history I would have of beverage. Well, since Prohibition, I would say. I would have to agree because I remember when I was, uh, you know, 20 years old going to the beer store for a beer, you know, you had a choice of about six brands. And now, holy cow, it's, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. No. There's so it's many the choice, out there. The choice is incredible now. and But that that is also um, inspired other movements within beverage as well. You've got the craft distilling movement. So now they're closing in on eight or 900 uh, spirits makers in the United States now who are making artisanal spirits. And that was sort of almost an answer to the beer movement. The beer movement kind of paved the way for the craft spirits. And so you've got, got that going on now. And that, that also led to now the boom in, in hard cider, which is, which right now is like the fastest growing alcoholic beverage category at the moment. Um, So it's, it's really just like one thing kind of fed the other, um, but it all goes back to craft beer. Yeah. I remember, well, on Saturday I was uh, mixing some drinks and I made five grasshoppers. Grasshoppers. uh, You know, I, I remember in the eighties making grasshoppers and, uh, (laughs) You know, it, you don't hear of anyone making, uh, drinking grasshoppers, but I made five of them that night. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, you know what? There's a whole, you know, there's a classic cocktail renaissance going on. So, I mean, that I'm sure there's some bar that makes them. They yeah. probably put a modern twist on it, but, um, but I'm sure, I don't think, you know, anyone's seen the last of them. No. And I think with the internet, too, it's, you know, you can Google a recipe and, uh, or a cocktail, and it'll have 20 different ways to make it. Yeah, and also since it's got kind of that mint thing going on, mint is sort of, um, as yeah. I like to say in the industry, it's a trending flavor. So, I mean, I think, um, I, I think I can see somebody doing more grasshoppers with things like fresh mint and that sort of thing rather than just, you know, a mint liqueur. Right. 
Jeff, we got a break for another couple minutes. Having a great conversation. We'll get back to you in a couple minutes at the end of the uh, commercial break. All right. Sounds great. Okay. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Do you love to travel? Do you love adventure so much that when you read about it, you cannot stop until you have finished? Most of all, though, do you like to read a memoir that is totally honest and doesn't cover up anything? The author just tells it like it is. Stephen Nicole's first book, You Only Live Once, will fulfill your wish. Whether you're thinking of a career in the hospitality industry or just want to read a personal, upfront, no-holes-barred memoir, this book will whet your appetite. Go to stephennicole.com to order your copy or email him directly for an autographed copy. That's Stephen Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E dot com. A life coach, Stephen Nicole can be contacted to help you get what you want in life. 17 years from the time he took a bartending course, Stephen traveled around working in the hospitality industry, moving up the ladder as he went along, tasting both the bitter and the sweet. Along the way, Stephen rode the ebb and flow from the vibrant 80s through the turbulent 90s. Stephen found what his heart was truly looking for to begin a new chapter in his life. For a free intake interview, you can mail Stephen directly to set up a time at ssnicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, at rogers.com. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to the Hospitality News Network. We'd love to hear from you with questions or comments about the show. Drop us a line at ssnicole at rogers.com. That's ssnicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, at rogers.com. Now, back to the Hospitality News Network. Welcome back to the Hospitality Industry News Network. My guest today is Jeff Cialetti. He has published a book. It's due out in bookstores in the next November few 24th. weeks. Yes. November 24th? Yeah, pre-order oh. it now at Amazon or in Barnes & Noble, though. It's, it's available for pre-order, but it drops on November 24th. Awesome. Good. And we'll mention that again toward the end of the show as well. The Year of Drinking Adventurously. Jeff, he's the editor of Beverage Magazine, Beverage World Magazine, since 2007. And if you check out his blog, drinkableglobe.com, man, some great videos and information and real professional real professional site. We're talking about trends and, you know, and drinking and stuff like that. But you've traveled around quite a lot, uh, Jeff. Uh, you mentioned earlier, you know, what are some of the favorite countries you've been to and what have you tried there to, to drink or something national there? Or? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I always try to go with what the local drink is. I mean, it, there's just so many. I mean, for instance, uh, going to a, a Scotch whiskey distillery and drinking there, I mean, I've, that, that's an amazing experience. And it's great going in, like, January when there are basically no tourists there. So it's, it's, you almost get, um, you get a private tour. Um, nice. And, now, the weather's not so great in January, but, you know, 
they get like three inches of snow and it shuts down most of Scotland. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They only have one snowplow, I think. And they've got, yeah, it's like, I I saw that, you know, driving on the highway, there'd be an entire lane that was just covered in snow and they only plowed one and the whole highway would be uh, restricted to one lane. So you have an entire line of people going the other direction, just waiting to be able to go while one lane is going. And it's like, like I said, it's like three inches of snow. Um, A beautiful country. Yeah, it's it's gorgeous. There's nothing like it. It's it's such the, the... just especially going in the winter and seeing the snow on the hills and everything like that. That's just fantastic. You know, it's a little challenging to get around, but it's, it's still amazing. Um, so that, that's great. And Japan, obviously I love, um, drinking shochu, which is their distilled spirit, which, you know, I talk a bit about in the book. Um, I mean, shochu is just amazing. I went to a lot of distilleries there, uh, sake breweries there. I mean, sake is just incredible. Um, you know, and then things like, you know, Belgium, obviously I've been there a number of times for beer, you know, I've been to Germany a number of times for beer. Um, and then I find the German beer pours so like it's, it has such a nice froth on it. Yeah. It's almost like a, it's almost like a cream or, or almost yes. like, like a meringue sometimes, you know, I know <laughs> the way it pours out. Yeah, and so so that that's always great. Um, you know, I've been in various parts of France for uh for for beer as well as for wine. Um and um, you know, other parts of the UK. You know, I love going to English pubs um and, and drinking, you know, the cask ale there, especially since there's so many pubs that are just vanishing every year. You kind of you kind of want that sort of tradition to, to continue. So, and that's the tradition of them closing, the tradition of them existing. And you want the British pub to, to stick around. So I feel like anytime I go there, I need to go to as many as possible to kind of support them. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and then it's just, uh, you know, I went to a couple of whiskey distilleries in Tasmania, for instance. And Tasmania's got an incredible... Uh, craft distilling scene. Uh, I would, I would even say it's probably a decade ahead of ours in the states. I mean, there. Wow. Um, they're just doing some amazing stuff. They're 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 very very influenced by by the Scottish tradition because you know the original um, the original inhabitants came from Scotland, but you know they're kind of making it their own though, and it's really it's really good stuff, and it's a lot of it's better than a lot of stuff that, that's being made here. Um, where else have I been? I mean, I can, I could, I could spend an entire afternoon talking about all the places I've been, but, um, but yeah, I mean, those are, those are some of the more amazing. And, you know, even, even like I said, Kentucky is always great, to, especially because the bourbon renaissance is going on now. Um, and going to Louisville is pretty amazing now because, um, it's almost like, I like to think of it as almost like a little, like Dubai was a few years ago. You're seeing all these cranes going up and yes. building things very, very rapidly because okay. a lot of the big the big spirits companies are reinvesting in bourbon and, and building distilleries again. So you're starting to see that happen, and it's really exciting. Wow. So, Jeff, about your book, we'll get back to your book here, The Year of Drinking Adventurously. Mm-hmm. Who's your target reader? Who would want to buy this book? 
who, do you, who are you looking at? I'm looking at, you know, anybody. Well, first of all, legal drinking age adults, I have to say that. <laughs> 21 yeah. and over. <laughs> um, but there's no... There's no cap on the age, though. I mean, it's for anyone who just wants to learn a little more about what to drink. And, and it's not just, I mean, it's got something in it for the beginner as well as people who are more experienced with one particular type of beverage. So, for instance, if you're a beer drinker and you want to learn something about whiskey, then this is for you or you want to learn about, I don't know, Aquavit or uh even learn a little more about bitters, you know, the things that go into cocktails. There's stuff in there about that. Or if you're a whiskey drinker, you want to get into beer, there's a few things in there for you too. It's just um, basically it's, you know, for beginning intermediate and advanced drinkers who just want to try something new. I think that's that's great. That's the best target in a nutshell. I think it's uh, and, and you know, yeah, pe- basically people people who like people who like people who like to explore, you know, people who and not just travel, but people who like um, foodies, foodies who like to try new foods. Um, this is definitely for the the foodie element who want to be as adventurous in their drink order as they are in their food order. Right. Right. Now, do you do? Uh, would it help? people match something with their food, would you say? Any of the cocktails or... Yeah, like a recipe might go... uh, I don't know, like, uh, would you have something that maybe would match with it? Or best time to drink it or uh, something like that? Well, yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's, you know, everything... um, There are a lot of, for instance, beers in here... um, I do a section, for instance, on on coffee beers, and a lot of times those go extremely well with desserts. So you want to pair it with okay. that, and then and then you've got bourbon goes extremely well with barbecue. So if you want to eat because of the smoking, like really good, like a, there's this. It's not just the smokiness. There's also the the to it. There's there's that vanilla sweetness that comes from the barrel that matches yeah. really well okay. with barbecue sauce. Okay. So, I didn't know that. Yeah. And then, um, you know, it's like, for instance, shochu that matches with, it's actually one of the spirits that really goes extremely well with food. And you get, for instance, a sweet potato shochu will go really well with a lot of small, kind of salty plates that you get at a Japanese izakaya. So Okay. Yeah. So I mean there's a lot of lot of different things. Um but food pairing is, is a huge part of it. And even one of the things in the in the fortified wine section, you know, uh some of the myths are dispelled about what um you know Madeira or Port will really go with. And apparently um, people people generally think that they think of Madeira port primarily as dessert wines, but yes. um, that's not entirely true. There's actually some Madeiras that you can match with every course of a meal, and there are some that you can even have with a salad. Yes. You know, somebody so, mentioned to me one time Madeira goes with turtle soup. I don't uh, know yeah, how true I mean, that I, is, but uh, I'm sure. I'm sure it does like a, because it, it, 
There are, you can you can literally do a Madeira dinner and have a different Madeira of a different age um, matched with every course of that from from an amuse down to your dessert. I mean, and you can just drink nothing but Madeira, and it's going to go wow. really well. And, you know, one time I remember going to a sherry wine tasting at uh, the Spanish consulate here in Toronto, and I didn't realize you could do so many sherries with so many different courses. You know, the dry, the medium, the, the sweet, and, you know, it was quite a menu they had. Oh, yeah. It's so many different uh, things that you could pair up with for sure. And, it, you know, we're not just talking wine, but we're talking drinks as well, aren't we? That's for sure. Now, you've been uh, Beverage World with Beverage World Magazine for 13 years. How did you, did, did you, what experience did you have to get that job just, just in a, you know, in a, a minute or two? You know, uh, before 13 years, uh, were you just writing about drinks and uh, testing them out? Or, uh, you know, were you a bartender before that? Or No, no, I was, I, you know, I was a journalist. Um, I had written for newspapers. I had written for uh, the closest thing to beverage I had done. I worked for a magazine that went to supermarkets, so I wrote a lot about you know, supermarket food and that kind of stuff. And I wrote about some drinks for there, but it was really, you know, it was really beverage world when I really started to get into it. I mean, I never worked as a bartender. Um, and I, you know, coming into it, I, I would be, you know, the type of person who would really need to read this book because it would really open my eyes. Because it took right. a while for my eyes to be open, but it really they really opened. And wow. mostly it was during that first year on the job. I think 2003 is when my eyes really opened to a lot of things. Wow, awesome. Well, we got to pause for another break. It's our last break. And I'll see you at the other end of two minutes, and you could tell us a little bit more about your book and uh, where we can get it. All right, great. All right. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Do you love to travel? Do you love adventure so much that when you read about it, you cannot stop until you have finished? Most of all, though, do you like to read a memoir that is totally honest and doesn't cover up anything? The author just tells it like it is. Stephen Nicole's first book, You Only Live Once, will fulfill your wish. Whether you're thinking of a career in the hospitality industry or just want to read a personal, upfront, no-holes-barred memoir, this book will whet your appetite. Go to stephennicole.com to order your copy or email him directly for an autographed copy. That's Stephen Nicole. N-I-C-O-L-L-E dot com. A life coach, Stephen Nicole, can be contacted to help you get what you want in life. 17 years from the time he took a bartending course, Stephen traveled around working in the hospitality industry, moving up the ladder as he went along, tasting both the bitter and the sweet. Along the way, Stephen rode the ebb and flow from the vibrant 80s through the turbulent 90s. Stephen found what his heart was truly looking for to begin a new chapter in his life. For a free intake interview, you can mail Stephen directly to set up a time at ssnicole, at rogers.com. 
You are listening to the Hospitality News Network. We'd love to hear from you with questions or comments about the show. Drop us a line at ssnicole at rogers.com. That's ssnicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, at rogers.com. Now, back to the Hospitality News Network. Welcome back to the Hospitality Industry News Network. Having a great show here with Jeff Cialetti. His new book is coming out. It's called The Year of Drinking Adventurously. If you've missed the show so far, it's archi- it will be archived on my webpage on voiceamericavariety.com. Please have a listen because it's been a fascinating discussion I've had with Jeff. Tons of beverage experience and cocktail experience in the way he's done this book. You'll be enlightened and educated once you read it. Fantastic. Also on the show is you can download it on iTunes, Google Play, stitched in, tuned in, and also you could upload it on Kindle. I'm back with Jeff. Jeff, what do you think people are gravitating to now as far as beverages? What are people looking at? Are uh, well, rye is really hot. I mean, it's still a small part of the market, but rye whiskey is really is really spiking. I think the number that they were saying in the past six or seven years, it's grown close to 600%. Um, so you've got a lot of the a lot of the bigger distillers are starting to put out um, rye variations. You know, if they were known for a bourbon, now they're putting out rye. For instance, you've got really? Wood Reserve. Sorry, what do you think? Wow, I, that's a that's that's a surprise for me. I, I wouldn't think it would be rye, but uh, wow, that's if you're yeah, saying that, from a Canadian point of view, because that's what we do here is Canadian whiskey. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and I, I have a chapter on that too. I have a whole chapter on Canadian whiskey in the book. Really? Um, yeah, um, but it's now, yeah, it's it's sort of a a natural progression from the bourbon renaissance. Now there's the rye renaissance. I like to call it the renaissance. Um, so that's, that's pretty huge right now. It's only going to get bigger. I mean, a huge, huge off again, it's a small, it's still a niche, but it, it's growing extremely rapidly. Um, and then as far as other things, uh, I had mentioned, you know, cider is really big now, and I think that's going to continue, but you're going to, but now the difference is now that people are learning exactly what cider is. They're looking for variations within cider, so you're going to start to see uh, more more variety, more segmentation. Um, you know, people are being more experimental with things like hops in their cider and that sort of thing. So you're, you're going to see um, you're going to see cider behave a lot more like craft beer in that regard with, with so many stylistic okay. variations. And uh, another one is just super small, but, but I would keep an eye on mead because, um, you know, the honey, the fermented honey beverage, because, I mean, it's the oldest beverage on earth pretty much. <laughs> I mean, it goes back 9,000 years or something. But now that's having sort of a little mini spike as well. And, again, this is all riding the craft beer coattails, and you've also got craft brewers who are actually making mead. So I think you're going to be hearing a little bit more about mead. And then um, there are a lot of spirits also that are in my book that, that are um, a lot of Asian spirits are spirits and not just spirits, but, um, but fermented beverages will call them. Cause for instance, I mean, sake consumption in Japan is pretty 
flat and sake. Sake is more is more like a beer. It's not a spirit. Um, but um, but in the United States, uh, there's a lot of opportunity here for it, and all over North America, you're, you're starting to see these sort of little craft sake producers popping up. I mean, there are only probably about 20 of them in the States now, but that's probably double the number there were a couple of years ago, though. So um, you're going to see that a little bit more. Uh, you're going to see more uh, education based on shochu, which is the spirit. It's like it's distilled from uh, there var- many variations, but there's some are distilled from sweet potatoes, some from uh, rice, some from barley, some from black sugar, and um, there are even some that they make from, from sesame. Um, so there's just uh, a whole lot of those, and I think that people are going to learn more about that. The, the, uh, there's a group that's really uh, pushing education here for that beverage. And, and similarly, from China, a uh, beverage that has like little or no presence here is actually getting a huge push now um, called Baijiu, and most Baijiu. people don't know what it is here, but I, yeah, it's spelled B-A-I-J-I-U, and it's, um, it's really, it's, it's, this base is mostly sorghum, but it mixes in other things like rice and any other grains they can get their hands on, um, and some of it's really, really, I mean, I think there's something like 10,000 producers all over China, and some of it's really kind of awful, but there's some really good stuff that's pretty high-end, and you're going to start seeing more of the high-end stuff coming into the States now. So, wow. And you're going to see it probably more with, with Asian restaurants and that kind of thing, like higher-end Asian restaurants. Um, but I, I would say check back in like three years, and, and I wouldn't say it's going to be a household name, but more people will have heard of it. How do you drink that, though? Do you just drink it um, straight? You can or? drink it neat. Yeah, well, there's, there's sort of a ritual to it. Um, a lot of times, it's what they drink in China when they're sealing a business deal. Um, you know, a lot of times when, when there's diplomatic meetings, you know, between um, foreign leaders and Chinese leaders, um, they'll they'll toast with, with Baijiu and they'll, they'll kind of toast to a successful meeting with Baijiu. Um, but basically, I, there's, there's sort of a little traditional glass. It's, it's like half an ounce glass, okay. um, little tiny stemmed thing, and um, and you do it in little sort of nips like that, um, and then you just keep pouring and pouring. But you know, it's actually pretty high, and it's um, probably you're generally going to find it around 53%, 55%, sometimes 60% alcohol. Um, so you're not, you shouldn't drink a lot of it. No, that's <laughs> a punch. That, that's why a lot of times it comes in those little half-ounce glasses, because you have a couple of those and you're good. And I've actually had some cocktails, and it's, it's a tricky thing to mix, because it's got such a pronounced flavor to it, and there's really no way to describe the flavor. I mean, I would say it's some, the cross between sour pineapple and mushroom. That's the only way I could describe it. Um, but so obviously you add it to any drink, it's going to be really, really pronounced. But, um, you know, in, in the book, I kind of detail an experience I had out in California at Hakkasan, uh, which is sort of a high-end uh, Chinese eatery, um, and kind of had a, sat down with one of the brand representatives for a, some Baijiu brands. 
and uh, the bar mixed with some cocktails, and they did a really good job. Um, and there's definitely it still retains that really pronounced flavor that Baijiu has, and it takes a little getting used to, but you won't have a cocktail that tastes anything like it because you, it's not something you can just say, okay, we'll substitute Baijiu for vodka because it, it's got a really intense flavor. Wow. We're speaking with Jeff Cialetti, author of the book, Do Out the Year of Drinking Adventurously, Adventurously due out November 24th. Jeff, we're just about to wrap up. Tell us where we can get this book. Um, you can get the book, you know, at most major bookstores and online, of course. Uh, you can pre-order it right now at Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. Um, you know, it's, it's they've already got the page up. It's uh, available for pre-order. Pre-order it now and you'll get it in time uh, right before, you'll definitely get it before the end of November. So that would be perfect. pre-order now. And as well, I want to tell the listeners as well out there, drinkableglobe.com. Check out his site, his blog, because each week he has a, a video, and it's about news from around the world and uh, fascinating stuff, uh, stuff that you never hear anybody else talk about. But Jeff, he's a encyclopedia of beverage information, that's for sure. And uh, I want to I wish you all the best on the launch of the new book. And thank you for being our guest today. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it, Stephen. Um, and, you know, like I say on my show, grab the world by the glass. <laughs> That's right. Awesome. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, awesome. Great, great. Well, this is Stephen Nicole for the Hospitality Industry News Network. If you missed this show or any show, you could catch the show on the Hospitality Industry News Network voice America.com Variety Channel. They're archived 24-7 on my webpage. They're available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Tuned In, Google Play, and you could also upload it on Kindle. And uh, we're going to have another great guest next week. I thank you all for stopping in. And uh, the year of drinking adventurously. When it's out in bookstores... Grab it, because you're not only going to learn about different drinks, but you're going to learn where they come from, their origin, and you're going to be a wealth of information after you read this book. And do try all the recipes, because uh, that's what it's all about, is educating yourself. This is Stephen Nicole signing off for this week. Have a great week, and we look forward to seeing you again next week at noon Eastern Daylight Time on Mondays. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Hospitality News Network this week. Please join your host, Stephen Nicole, next Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.